0: Welcome to the Reality Check Podcast, Episode 4. I'm Zach Phillips. So guys, before we get into it, I just wanted to update you all on a couple of things. Firstly, I'm sorry for the long break. I've been quite busy with a bunch of new projects, so I had to put the podcast on the back burner for a while. But on the positive side, I've now completely updated my website, and I've started a new blog. The topics that I'll blog about will be quite varied. Um, Primarily, at the moment, I'm writing about mental health, but I also plan on doing topics on motivation and business strategy, martial arts and self-defense, philosophy, writing, as well as teaching. You can find this blog at zachary-phillips.com forward slash blog. So today I thought I would introduce you to it by reading a couple of pieces. The first one basically has had quite an amazing reception so far. In The first day I published it, it was shared over a hundred times, which for a new blog, I'm, I'm pretty happy with. Um, the second one has received about 60-odd shares so far. Now, I just want to preface that the following content contains discussions related to men- mental health issues, depression, anxiety, and suicide. So just be warned that the content might be a little bit confronting. So without further ado, let's get into it. The first piece is titled, Is Suicide Selfish? and was published October the 2nd, 2016. It's an amalgamation of many discussions that I've had with suicidal friends and family. I'll be honest with you. There's a part of me that idolises suicide. That toys with the idea from time to time. It'd be easy to not exist. To go to sleep and never wake up. The voices would be silenced. The pain would stop. There'd be no more more self-doubt. Just peace. Nothingness. So what has stopped me? Each time that I was close to following through... One thought kept coming to mind. It was so poignant that I couldn't shake it. My suicide won't end the pain. It would just pass it on. If I were to die, my pain would be over, but yours would begin. You would inherit my sadness. You would be left wondering why, suffering in my stead. So I put myself in your shoes. I imagined you discovering my body. I imagined what you would think. I couldn't do it to you. I couldn't leave you with a thousand unanswered questions or the years of heartache. I couldn't give you a lifetime of rumination and regret. I just couldn't inflict my pain upon you. In that moment, my love for you saved me. Then I thought of the others. I realised that this pain was mine alone, and killing myself would just be multiplying it, spreading it to everybody that cares for me. I've heard that suicide is contagious, often impacting multiple people from families or social groups in a short period of time. And I didn't want to be the catalyst for such trauma. But the problem was that those thoughts alone couldn't sustain me for long, because now on top of everything that I was already feeling, I felt guilty. I couldn't stay, but now I also couldn't leave. I was trapped. In my desperation, I turned to a trusted friend for advice. I told him about my desire to end it all, as well as my feelings of love and guilt stopping me. Looking directly into my eyes, he gave me the following advice. If you are sure you want to do it, that's fine. I can see that what you're going through is overwhelming and that you're struggling. It'd be selfish of me to tell you that you need to stay. Who am I to judge your pain? Who is anyone? Only you know what you can take. All I ask for is one month. Just one more month. If you follow my advice and you still feel the same way, I understand and will even help you with the process to make sure you don't mess it up. Now that made me curious, so I decided to hear him out. He went on. I heard an anecdote once about suicide of survivors that were interviewed after jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. Apparently, they all reported having the same thought on the way down as they were falling. Something along the lines of, every problem in my life is fixable besides this one. The mind reels at how many people plummeted to their deaths regretting the decision. Now, I don't know if that story is true, but there is a lesson in there regardless. So follow me on this one. If you're going to kill yourself, you're basically free, right? You now live almost without consequence, because if worse comes to worse, you'll just end it. You've lost nothing. So you may as well do everything you've ever wanted to do, because what have you got to lose? So the question I ask you is, have you tried everything, like literally everything to fix the problem in your life? No. Why not? So a month later, my friend called in um, for a visit. I was still alive and I was in a much better place. I'd taken his advice. Now I know that my problems are different to yours. But my friend's advice still holds. If you're contemplating suicide, please try everything first. Other than your life, what have you got to lose? In my opinion, you can only gain from trying. So just off the top of my head, there's quite a few things you could try before suicide. And I'll please, please add to this list. You could quit your job. Sell your, sell your possessions and travel, talk with a psychologist, ask the person you've been meaning to out, read every book you want to, honestly ask your friends and family for support, get the divorce, go on antidepressants, move house, start an exercise or meditation regime. Just please don't make a permanent decision based on temporary problems. Now I make a little note at the bottom that the views here are expressed are mine and mine alone and should not replace the advice of an expert. So if you're struggling, please go and see someone. They can really help. My second blog post that I'd like to share with you is titled, Antidepressants Saved My Life But Didn't Make It Worth Living. It was released on September 28th, 2016. I grew up living in the household of an addict, paranoid schizophrenic, chronic hoarder and drug dealer. Long story short, I was left quite psychologically damaged. Throughout my life, my mental health has gone up and down dramatically. At my worst, I've had issues with substance abuse, self-harm and suicide, suicidal idolization. On more than one occasion, I'd almost followed through. Eventually, I went to a doctor and was put on some antidepressants. They saved my life. There was a long time that without them, I would have ended it all. However, despite being great great at keeping me alive, they were certainly not ideal. Regardless of the type I tried, I faced the same issues. First were the debilitating side effects. I faced constant nausea and headaches, as well as issues with perception and balance. I couldn't drive, eat, or even watch television. I was forced to stay in bed and just rest. This was clearly not ideal, but after two weeks these symptoms started to disappear, and after a month, I returned to normal. Psychologically, I was doing better. The scores on a variety of psychometric testing indicated significant improvements, and I was no longer suicidal. My doctor marked me down as a successful case and began to monitor me with declining frequency. Having been so low for so long, once the side effects wore off, I was in a state of relief. However, I didn't feel completely like myself anymore. Something was off. The extreme lows were gone, but so too were the highs. The medication had had an effect of moving me into what felt like a narrow range of existence. Life was just dull, neither good nor bad, just meh. It was almost like the volume was turned down, colours were muted and the excitement gone. I lost interest in the activities that I once found enjoyable and began to lose contact with close friends. I just seemed to be floating, moment to moment, going through the motions of each day until it came time to sleep. I no longer wanted to kill myself, but I also couldn't feel the joys of life that make it worth living. So after a few months of living in ambiguity, I realized what was happening, and I didn't like it. I wasn't sure what to do. It felt like I faced the choice between living a muted existence or not living at all. There had to be another way. So upon a friend's advice, I started seeing a psychologist for regular therapy sessions, which was a great idea. And I also stopped the antidepressants cold turkey. Horrible idea. But I was finally receiving expert advice in relation to my mental health. My psychologist was able to recognise my problems and help me move towards recovery. She also worked me through the transition off medication and initiated other forms of therapy. The medication then became a backup to be used if my my mental state falls significantly again. Now please don't get me wrong, I am by no means saying that antidepressants should not be used. They should. If an expert is suggesting that they could be the solution to you, please listen, because they do work. I will go back on them if necessary. But as a long-term fix, I'm not a fan. And they should never be the only intervention strategy. They should be used in conjunction with other biopsychosocial treatments that together will all transform a person's life. Some of my personal favourites include sport and exercise, which release positive hormones, gets the blood pumping, and makes you feel good. In addition, the social aspect of sport cannot be understated. The friends and camaraderie gain can also last a lifetime. Writing. For me, this has been the best form of therapy, and I couldn't recommend it more. Poetry, free writing, fiction, or a simple diary, the choice is yours. Through writing, you can privately express everything, honing the words until they perfectly reflect how you feel. Similarly, reading is one of the best forms of mindful distraction. Reading forces you to focus on the present moment, which, for the duration of the read, is in a fictional universe. Focused attention to the present moment has tremendous benefits for mental health, and the escapism aspects of fiction cannot be understated. A good diet. You are what you eat, literally. Your brain is just another organ of the body, and as such, it is vital that it is being properly maintained. A good diet that is a balance of protein, carbohydrates, and fats combined with lots of water will ensure that your hardware is well maintained and working properly. Meditation. More and more people are turning to daily meditation practice to help calm a troubled mind. There are endless methods, books and apps available. But the key here is to develop and maintain a habit. Personally, I've found that mindfulness meditation, focusing on the breath, meditation beads or a mantra is particularly beneficial. But any practice will be good. And socialization. Us humans are social animals. We thrive on friendship and connection. Where at all possible, make the choice to hang out with your friends, even if only for a small amount of time. If there is somebody in whom you can confide, talk with them. You will be surprised at what opening up to people can do for you. Goal setting setting and chasing goals can be amazing. Choose something that you want to accomplish and begin working towards it. This is what life is all about striving to achieve something. If you define your goals and display them prominently, they can provide a source of drive and motivation. Just make sure they follow the SMART principle. Psychology. Finally, professional help cannot be understated. A psychologist or psychiatrist is somebody who has trained and has experience helping people with similar issues to what you are facing. Feel free to try a few different ones before settling. You need to ensure that you're a good fit with them and they are a good fit with you. So, when explaining my position on antidepressants, I sometimes find that an analogy can help. For me, it's like trying to heat a house. Using antidepressants is akin to turning on the ducted heating. The house will warm up for sure, but there are some costs involved. For a start, the whole house is warm, not just the areas you're in. Secondly, the heat generated tends to dry your skin, leading to discomfort. And finally, the noise produced can be quite annoying. Yeah, the house is warming up but there are some other solutions that could also help. Solutions that if implemented would be far more sustainable over the long term. Put a jumper on, close the doors, do some exercise and drink some warm tea. Perhaps over time invest in insulated walls and windows. With a strong enough heater you could get away without these measures, but you'd be forever using it, racking up a massive bill in the process. Just like the heater, antidepressants are always there for you. I just like to use it as a backup to be used on exceptionally cold nights. I hope you enjoyed those two blog posts. If you want to read them, um, head to zachary-phillips.com forward slash blog, and you'll be able to search for them there, and also I'll put them in the show notes. Thanks for listening. And if you're after more content, I also have a blog that I update regularly, as well as a one-minute video series where I'll be sharing insights on a variety of topics, including mental health, motivation, psychology, and philosophy. I'm releasing a new video daily. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please do me a massive favour and either review it on iTunes or recommend it to two people. Share the link with them and tell them why they would enjoy listening to it. Finally, I'd love to hear from you, so please connect with me on social media. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Zachary P. Phillips. Links to these, as well as anything discussed, are in the show notes. Thanks.